So, Juno, what musical are we talking about today? Back to the Future. <laughs> Back to the Future. Ah! Ooh. So, we saw Back to the Future in February. It was a little bit random. Yeah. Because we booked it for, on the day. It was very exciting. Did you? Yeah. I, I woke oh. up at like three in the morning. Oh, yeah. And I was like, I know what I'll do. I'll book these Back to the Future tickets. We've been sort of debating whether to go and see Back to the Future for quite some time, haven't we, Juno? Now, why was that? Because they did a performance on Britain's Got Talent and it wasn't very good. It was but not. The no. song they did, it was actually better when we saw it. Yes. The music started and we looked at each other like, here we go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so the, it was actually good. The cast did this performance of the song It Works on Britain's Got Talent last year and. We had heard from the one person who we knew who'd seen Back to the Future, shout out to my mum, that it was really amazing and that we should see it. But that performance made us think, oh, maybe not. But then someone at Juno School told her they'd seen it and it was good. And apparently the word of a 10-year-old is to be trusted above all other things. So Juno came round to the idea of seeing Back to the Future and there we were at the Adelphi Theatre in London. So, Back to the Future, as most people will, I'm sure even people who are like Juno's age will have been forced to watch Back to the Future by their parents, <laughs> as Juno was, because it's one of Juice and Matt's uh, favourite films. And Cool Runnings. Along with Cool was, Runnings. He was obsessed with us watching It's not that. a musical yet. It should but be. But should be. That would be cool. So, yes, Back to the Future, one of the, I'm going to say one of the biggest films of the 1980s. I don't know if that's true, but I think probably. it is. I think it's probably true. Obviously, original starring... Michael J. Fox and Christopher, I always get them wrong around, Christopher Lloyd, because there's that other actor called Christopher Lee, but he's the one who's in Star Wars, uh, playing the lead roles of Martin McFly and Doc. And the musical is pretty, the plot is pretty much the same as the film. So we won't spend too much time talking about it. But Marty is a teenager, wants to be a musician. I want to do the plot. Juno's going to do the plot. He wants to be a musician. He's friends with this guy who's like a scientist doc doc yeah he like invents this car and it can go back in time or forward in time kind of mm -hmm. yeah and they're in like 1985 isn't it and there's this whole thing so everyone wants the clock tower to be working again because in 1955 it was struck with lightning and it's not working 30 years later no one's fixed it it's yeah. kind of like anything that breaks in this house Oh, the shower's not working. Oh, no. Oh, there's a leak. Oh, it'll be all right. Oh, wait, is this light bulb not working? Well, the other one is. So we, we understand that attitude yeah. to uh, repairs, don't we? 30 years. It's quite so a long time to not have a clock. Um, Doc, so he invents a car. Well, he doesn't invent, he to doesn't be clear, he didn't invent the car. It's the a real car, the DeLorean. Um, the DeLorean, and he just puts a time machine inside it so you can go back in time. Um, so, like, the car is the time machine. It's really cool, actually. Yeah, we'll talk about how they do it on stage yeah. and stuff later and on. And so he's like, Marty, Marty, come look. And then what do you have to put in it? Plutonium. Yeah, and that you can get, like, radiation poisoning or something from that. Yeah, so they go something out like that. one evening to test it out, don't they? Yeah, and Doc, he, like, takes the thing and puts it in. And then Marty's like, what's up with your hand? And he's like, oh, it's glowing. And um, Marty, he's like, oh, I'll ride the car and go to the hospital and but doc he's saying whatever you do don't and then he, you don't hear what he was going to say yeah well, he's telling him not to get because if it, the car goes to 88 miles per hour that's it when it'll go time. back in time and so the doc's saying don't go to 88 miles per hour but marty's in too he's too much of a stress about it and then he, he drives goes, off and then when he stops the car he's in the farm and he's like 
the cars in hay bales. I'm not really sure. I thought he'd run someone over. And then I realised it was, it was a, a scarecrow. scarecrow. I was like, what's going on here? I don't remember this. And he's like listening. Oh, before this. So his dad, there's a guy called Biff who's like mean to him, basically. Yeah, Biff bullies his dad, who's George McFly. Yeah. And gets him to do everything he wants. And Marty isn't doesn't. very happy about it. Um, so he but, finds himself in 1955. Well, he doesn't know it's 1955 because he like, doesn't he see his mum or something when she's his age? Well, yeah, that's the whole thing, isn't it? So obviously... Oh, yeah. So George, he likes Lorraine, who's his mum. But she's not his mum yet, because he hasn't been born yeah. yet. <laughs> He's, like, in a tree, and she's outside her house, <laughs> and then... George is in a tree. Yeah. Yeah, and so George has Marty... got this whole peeping Tom thing going on, where he, like, spies on Lorraine from outside her house with a notepad. <laughs> it's a little bit weird. Yeah. And then in the first bit of it, the, they've talked about the fact, oh, you know, when we were young, we met because your dad fell out of a tree... And my dad bought him in the house and looked yeah. after him. So Marty was like going up and he was like, hi. And then they both fell out of the tree. But George ran away. But George ran away and they only saw Marty. So Marty gets bought in the house. Yeah. And all that weird stuff happens as it does in the film where she thinks his name's Calvin because it says Calvin Klein on his underpants. Did you understand that joke? No. So Calvin Klein is like a fashion brand and they make underwear that would say Calvin Klein on. But... She obviously thinks he's like a year five who has to have a name label on mm. all of his items of clothing. So, she sees that really creepy song about fancying him. And he's like, ew, you're my mom," But he can't say <laughs> that to her because that's too weird. And then basically what he finds Doc, they hatch a plan, don't they? Yeah, he's got this picture of him and his brother and sister and they're disappearing yeah, on like the Thanos picture. Thanos has done the snap. And... Doc's like, this isn't good. So, and there's an enchantment under the sea dance or something. And that's where they and, had their first yeah. kiss, his parents. So he needs to make sure that George asks Lorraine to that. But it all goes wrong because George is incapable of yeah, behaving he does normally. Yeah, thing where Marty, he's like, you need to say this. And then does he write it down or does George write it down? I think George must write it down because yeah. he can't read his own handwriting, can he? And then he writes like a speech and then he goes out to her and says, Lorraine, I'm your density. And she's like, what? And then he's like, I'm your dentist. And she's <laughs> that like, That was really funny. Uh, okay. And then he's like, I'm your destiny. By that point, she's like, You're definitely not. And also, she's Biff, like, like younger Biff in 1955, mean to he, re- he wants Lorraine to go out with him. And the way that he tries to achieve this is just by kind of bullying her as well. Yeah. And trying to convince her she's already his girlfriend. I've got some issues with this, which I will come on to. And then in the end, Marty ends up having to invite her to the dance because she sort of like literally forces him into it. Yeah. This is a show about people forcing people to do stuff that they're not really comfortable with. That's the whole plot. And then they go they, to the they dance. They go to the dance. And, and they've only got until like 9.30. Yeah. Or Marty will disappear as well. siblings have disappeared. But when he goes back, as soon as he gets into 9.55, he goes to this cafe. This was oh, ages yeah. ago. And there's a guy working there and he kind of doesn't really like working there. He's like, uh, and then he's like, I'm going to start. He does this song about how you've got to start somewhere. Yeah. And he's like, I'm going to go and do something great. And then Marty's like, yeah, you are. You're going to run for mayor. Oops. Because and we already know that because yeah, we've seen him running for Yeah, he was doing it in the future. But he was, but really, he was a very funny character. And yeah. then he, the same actor is playing, what's his name, Marvin Berry. Who's, um, oh, which is obviously meant to be, I'm guessing, a funny joke. About Marvin Gaye and Berry Gordy, like in Motown. Oh, I've just realised what where they've got that name from. So they go to this dance. And doesn't, like, she kiss Marty? And then he's like, ah! 
Yeah, and then she's like, that was kissing my, like, kissing my brother. And he's like, well, kind of. She's like, that probably makes no sense. And he's like, no, it makes perfect sense. And then they've cooked up this plan where, this is what's really creepy about it, that the plan is going to be that Marty's going to try and, like, force Lorraine to kiss him. And George is going to appear at just the right moment and burst in and save her. But because that thing's happened where they decided it's awkward, in the meantime, Biff has come in. And now he is trying to get with Lorraine in a very aggressive way. And so when George comes and opens the door, He's like, uh, Marty's in the bin because Biff and his reason, mates have put him I've there. Him. So George then picks a fight with Biff and uh, by accident. By accident. And he like tries to punch him, but he just kind of goes like I'm just like yeah, it was quite that. He was just funny, kind of like it? yeah, and then he's like, uh oh. Oops. It's funny. And then he like does actually punch him or something. Yeah, and then Lorraine's like, Oh my hero, because violence is attractive. No, it's because earlier, so Matthew says something like, Why don't you uh, um, go with George and she's like well he's nice but he won't stand up for me so Marty was like hmm interesting yeah so he's been trying to teach George how to like stand up for her and then they did this funny dance w- when he was trying to teach it with a washing oh, yeah, line that's a good song. Then, <laughs> that was funny. Um, so this back to when they're at the dance so there's a band playing they're like um our guitar players hurt his hand or something. In, isn't it in trying to get him out of the bin that he yeah. hurts his hand. And then they're like, we can't play anymore because we haven't but got a guitar player. Marty's like, no, I need you to play the music because otherwise yeah. I'm going to disappear. And that's where you get the bit from the film where he plays Johnny Be Good. And then he gets too carried away and um, it's like writhing around on the floor with his guitar and everyone's looking at him weird. And he says the line. What line? You might not be ready for it oh, yet, no. but your kids are going to love it. You missed out a whole bit. That's not when this thing. Oh, okay, so they're no, doing that's two different thing. songs. So this, he, um, yeah, the guy sings the thing. song. Um, he's doing the song, and um, so they're dancing. He can feel that he's disappearing. Yeah. Then, at just the right time, they, they kiss. kiss, and then he's like, "Yay!" And then he does it. Okay, right, fine. And then it's funny, and they're all looking at him like, "What is this music? What's up with you?" And then he has to run off because he's got to meet with Doc at the exact right time. Like, because they know they haven't got the polonium that you need to run the DeLorean, but the the lightning's going to strike, and that's what killed the clock tower in the first place. So he's got to be there at just the right moment. And Doc's really scared of heights. Doc is scared of heights. And I think, as the same thing happens in the film, when the storm's happening, the cord that they've connected to make it work falls, and he has to climb up to the clock tower. And do it. And Marty the whole time has been trying to tell him about what happens, like so that he'll in be more future, careful so and won't die. And Doc's prepared. like, No, you can't tell me what's gonna happen to and me in the future. And he writes him a note and then he like rips up the note and puts it in the bin. But Doc already knows because he's seen the video, hasn't he? So Mark when yeah, they did the thing in the first place. Happened. Yeah. Because he found footage of it somehow. Yeah, and he watched it. So Marty's trying to give him this message, and then in the meantime, the cart it works and off he goes and he finds himself back in nineteen eighty five. Um, um like fifteen seconds. Yeah, he, he's tried to go back oh, earlier so he can save um, Doc, but he can't do it. He because... can't because the voice recognition is for Doc. Yeah. And it's like, you're not Doc Brown. So they set it for like the exact right minute, like one forty one or something, isn't it? For him to get back. And then and, he Doc's there um, when he gets back. And, and, and he's, he's like, what? I didn't get back in time because he tried to set it for one thirty. Yeah, so or he thinks that he hasn't been able to save Doc and he's really sad. Um, but actually... So what happened in the film, because he got shot, he was wearing a bulletproof vest. Yeah. But in the show... A bulletproof vest wouldn't have helped. No. Against radiation <laughs> sickness. a... What was it? It was like a radiation protection suit thing that yeah. he'd obviously invented. 
So that was all fine. And then everyone's like, oh, it's George McFly Day. Because actually what we haven't mentioned is that George writes short stories and Marty encouraged him and was like, oh, you should keep writing. You should write a story about time travel. And then it turns out he has. And and he's super successful. And working for George. And Biff works for George. And his brother and sister are really successful. And his mum is not... What did his brother and sister do? Uh, His brother's doing some... I can't remember. But he's in the first bit, he's like working at like a McDonald's or something, isn't he? And his sister's just moaning about needing a date. And then thanks to all the stuff that he's managed to do, he's resolved that. And because his dad's more successful, his mum's happy and doesn't drink so much. And everyone's happy. Yay. Yeah, and then yeah. uh, Jen- we haven't even mentioned Jennifer, who's Marty's girlfriend, who you see right at the beginning and then you don't see her again till the end. But her yeah, uncle, Huey, clever, is he runs a record label and he's come to see Marty and his band play. Yay. Doesn't he like play with them or something? Oh, I don't know. Did he? He did. Maybe. But it was weird. And then, um, and then Doc turns up. Doc turns up and he's like, Marty, Marty. And Marty's like, seriously, we're like we're literally in the middle of a song. And he's come back with the car. And Doc's like, no, he'll be back in like 15 seconds. That's how time travel works. And so, everyone's like, wait, what? And he's like, but there's no road. And then Doc's like, well, we're, we're going, going, we, we don't, don't need, need road. Roads. And the car flies over the audience and does a 360 Crazy. turn. And that's the end of the show. Yeah. Uh, that was a really good synopsis. High five. We did it! We smashed, we smashed the synopsis and then we successfully did a we high five as well. We smashed the synopsis and we smashed the high we five. We smashed it all. So, the main thing that I want to say about Bats of the Future is that it is an insanely entertaining show. It's not necessarily like the most impactful piece of theatre that I've ever seen because obviously that was the year seven and eight production of High School Musical from last year, which had a really strong effect on me. But it's, it's incredibly entertaining. It's super, super fun. It's definitely one of the most fun shows that I can remember having seen. And I think for once, for once in my life, to quote Stevie Wonder, we went in and there were loads of kids there and loads of like booster seats. And I was like, yes, this is not a show that I'm going to think I shouldn't have bought you to see this, do you know? <laughs> we are totally safe. And actually we were, weren't we? Because there's a few little jokes that you wouldn't get as a 10 year old. Mm. And I don't think there was any swearing in it. Is there and swearing in the film? I can't really remember. So it was all, I was very pleased. I was like, I'm going to settle in here. I feel very safe. So yeah, it's, it's massively, massively entertaining. Do you want to say anything about things you particularly liked about it? I've got a little list. I've got, I thought all the pieces of set were quite cool. Yeah, that's and one of the, the things. And how the theatre yeah. was. Do you want to talk about what the theatre was like? I don't think I can explain so it. So when we first went in, they had like a projection of Back to the Future like the the logo that everyone oh, will be familiar with on the screen. And there were like flashing lights. It was sort of like you were in a time machine or something. There were like flashing lights all around the stage and like going in over the boxes. It said on the screen, please turn your phones off. In this time, they didn't have phones, so be respectful. Which is the same thing that they said before Pretty Woman as well, wasn't it? Yeah. Like in the 80s, no one had cell phones, funny. so you might as well turn yours off. And it was saying, obviously, it said, like, please don't film or record. So, yeah, so the way it was, it was cool, the way that it was, like, lit and stuff. And it looked sort of weirdly futuristic, given that the whole thing takes place in the past. Yeah, so Juno mentioned the set, and I thought the sets were really cool. I guess this is one of the things where when a production is somewhere permanently, as opposed to touring, a lot of the stuff that we see is on tour. You can have a massive set, can't you? And you can have a lot of things. But again, to comp- we keep comparing stuff to Pretty Woman in a sort of negative way. But that the set for that was really sparse, wasn't it? Mm. And considering it's a show that's permanently there. Whereas the sets for this, I imagine the people that designed those had an absolutely great time. Like the set for Doc's place. 
the special um, effects person is the same as We'll talk her about style. special effects in a minute. Let's talk about the set first. So like Doc's place was really cool. Like, loads of like little details, like he had pictures on the wall of like famous scientists and then he sort of sang to them in a song later on. Yeah. There were the, when Marty first goes to Doc's place, he couldn't find but Doc there and he stood up on he stood up on something. And while he did that, there was an announcement on the radio <laughs> about some polonium having been stolen and it being really dangerous. And he's like, oh, that sounds bad. And he's standing on it. Um, so that was really cool. And then, like, you see the McFly family kitchen and all of the detailing. That was really yeah, cool as well. Yeah. When they were in the diner in the high school, they're just like really cool, like authentic looking sets. Like, you were like, oh, OK. It was totally clear what everything was. And they just, it looks like someone's had a lot of fun designing that, I yeah, think. So would. that was cool to see and especially like the period details obviously it's 1950s and the 1980s and like i i wasn't alive in the 50s and i don't really remember the 80s that well because i was a small child if daddy was here he'd make some joke about me being like 28 or something in the 80s and i'd be sad about him saying that yeah it was cool like the way they did it 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 was interesting and like you could sort of sit and look obviously you're watching the action but you'd also spot little things in the set that i really liked so let's talk special effects so you might um i prevented Juno from fully revealing her facts. So say your fact again that we found out from reading the programme. So the person who did special effects is the same person that did special effects for Cursed Child. Yes, Harry Potter Potter and the Cursed Child, if you've seen that, you'll know that's got some... like The special effects in that are probably the best thing about it, aren't they? Yeah. Um, And the special effects for this were insane. I think from reading the programme, I think one of the things that they sort of were concerned with was how are we going to make the DeLorean look like it's moving and travelling through time Yeah. Uh, on stage. So anytime the DeLorean's travelling through time, it's they really use cool. like the revolve on the stage. There were projections. I think the car was actually, like I think like the car is being driven bit. as well. But like it looked, really slowly. It just looked so cool. And I think yeah. I thought, because the whole thing is, like sort of delightfully cheesy like blurs moving in yeah the background. it's like not it really a thing that you go to and you're like this is really serious so i wondered if they might do it in like a jokey way but they didn't at all and it was so clever yeah um, and it just every time obviously the car doesn't get used that much like it takes him back to 1955 it brings him back to 1985 and then at the end when doc comes to get him and the all this crazy stuff mary, happens. mary poppins was helping yeah them. that's what we in thought. mary poppins they went she went up into the dress circle. It was madness. The upper circle. It was insane. On her umbrella. So yeah, as Juno mentioned at Matt. the end, when Doc comes to pick Marty up, the car kind of came out, and I'm sure it came out over the stalls. It did. And then it span like a full 360. So the actors in the car were upside down, and we were like, "What? This is insane!" And it was really, I was like, I would be so scared if I was a in that car or b mm. underneath it in the stalls. I'd be like, "What the heck?" <laughs> I'd be really scared. But that was, I saw, I kind of, I really found myself looking forward to it every time the car was going to be used. I was mm. like, I can't wait to see how they do this because it was really, really clever. And I don't think that's necessarily something you find. Just, I mean, I suppose a lot, most musicals, they don't have special effects because there's not a lot of science fiction musicals. More's the pity. Let's have more of them. Yeah. Back to the Future 2. Clearly, they can just have the full trilogy. Well, not Back to the Back Future to 3 because I don't like that. that one. In Back to the Future 2, they go into the future. And they see like Marty and Jennifer with their kids. Um, it is, it's madness. Well, back to the Future 3. Oh, Back to the Future 3, they go like back in time to like the Old West and I don't like it. Mm. I think Daddy would disagree with me on this because I think he does, but I'm not a fan. So the whole thing is sort of delightfully nostalgic. Like I grew up watching Back to the Future. I'm not like, it's not like my favourite film, but I do love it. So I don't have this sort of purist attitude to it. I wasn't sat there thinking, oh, I can't believe they've changed that. That's outrageous. Well, that's not canon. That kind of thing didn't really bother me. And there were things in it that was so like no one at any point calls him a chicken 
So he doesn't say nobody calls me chicken, which to me is like one of the biggest lines in the film. So that was a bit weird. I don't remember that. You've only seen it once and it was like three years ago. So I'm not surprised you don't remember specific lines. So it did feel sort of really charmingly nostalgic watching it. The costumes like Marty's wearing is like puffer gilet thing. But when he goes into the past, they're all like, what are you wearing? Why, why are you wearing a life jacket? Yeah. He thinks he's going to drown. So it's, it feels really, really familiar in a really charming way. Not mm. in a way where you're like, what's the point of this? Because I think they make just enough changes to it that it feels fresh, whilst at the same time paying homage to the original. What? <laughs> paying tribute to it. I have a little thing written down that I want to talk about. Oh, please about. tell us your little thing that you've written down. Stage door. Oh, okay. Well, should we? Do, so I wanted to talk about the people that are in it because actually the the individual performances, some of it was amazing. And so, do you want to talk about the trauma of trying to find the stage door? So I really wanted to go. You don't really like stage door because you end up having what? to do all the talk. Should we? Do you want to explain? Because if it's like some of if people like your friends who listen to this and like yeah. younger people might not know what stage door is. So do you want to explain what that means? So it's where all the and actresses they come out of this door and it's sometimes labeled stage door above it and it's not the front door where we all go in it's like somewhere around the back of the theater yeah and we have done it before done what so what do we do um, if you're do if you say oh, oh, are you doing stage door what does that you, mean you like wait at the stage door and you get autographs and pictures with you stalk the cast basically <laughs> you harass <laughs> them come out. when they're trying you, to get home there's another door with some theaters there's like the stage door where you go if you want to sign people's stuff. And then there's another door where you can go if you don't. But in some, they kind of like run away a bit. But yeah, like it's their decision. Some people are really nice and they're like, you can say things. Like all the people we've seen who are doing it yeah. are really nice. So when we saw with Back to the Future, Juno really wanted to do stage door. And I was a bit like, oh, because I feel bad harassing the people. And I feel like a stalker. And I just, I don't really want to be a stalker. Can I say who we got? Yeah. So uh, just as a top tip, if you are going to see Back to the Future at the Adelphi in London and you want to do stage door, you need to know the stage door is all the way around the back of the theatre. Yeah, so they make you come out in a side like a exit and then there's loads of smokers out there who've come out of the pub to have a cigarette and the stage door is not there because obviously that would be really bad for the cast voices. So we walked all the way around the block and along the back of the, the whole row of buildings to find the stage door. So if this is making you think, not only do I want to go and see Back to the Future... I want to harass the cast and force them to take a picture with me when they're just trying to get home at the end of the day and they're tired, then just bear that in mind. So, Juno, do you want to talk about your stage door experience at yeah. Back to the Future? Yeah, so when we got there, Marty was just coming out. Can we do a shout-out to Will Haswell, who was playing Marty? We saw covers for Marty and Doc on the night when we went. Yeah. Um, and he was there. He was, he was really doing good. autographs at the time. He was awesome in the show. We got a picture and autograph. We got a signed program. Yeah. And we also I would also just like to say how lovely Will Haswell was. They've done a matinee and the evening show and they must all be absolutely exhausted and just want to get home and to walk down the line and just to sign anything I think is really nice. But like this guy in particular was super friendly and really warm and lovely and like asking people if they'd enjoyed the show, mm. if they'd seen it before. And like, just be like, thank you. Thanks so much for coming. And it's like, mate, you've just signed my programme when you're trying to get home. You've done us a favour. We also got the guy who was running for Mayor Goldie. Um, his name is Jordan Benjamin, the actor. He was really cool. Yeah. He, Liked him a lot. We got his autograph. And then 
Lorraine came out. I'm just gonna check her. I think her name's Amber Davis. Yes, Amber Davis. We saw her. She's the the main Lorraine. We saw Harry Jobson, who plays Biff Tannen. Although but he ran away. He, looked, he didn't look like he really wanted to sign loads of autographs. He was like, oh, okay. And then we also saw the guy who played George McFly, yeah. whose name is Oliver Nicholas. And he was amazing. And I've seen in the programme that actually for him and Harry Jobson, it's their West End debut. Uh, which is a pretty cool show to be in for your West End he debut. He was nice. But again, yeah. So Oliver Nicholas, shout out, was super, super nice. No. And it's just, it's a lovely thing that they do. So we are always very grateful to cast members who are willing to do that. Because as I said at the time, if I was on my way out of work and someone's trying to harass me about something, I'm like, no, I can't hear you. But then realistically, when I'm leaving my work, it's not because they're asking for my autograph. It's usually because, I don't know, that I've missed a report or something or haven't replied to an email about moderation or something. Not quite the same thing. But anyway, lovely performers who are prepared to come out and say hi to people. It's, uh, it's a lovely thing. Should we move on to the songs? Yeah. So the first one is called It's Only a Matter of Time. Yeah, I like that one. Yeah, and it's like they're doing... Look, I wish we could like play a bit of the song. Not allowed, though. We can't afford it. We can't afford to get sued. The thing I liked about that one in particular was I think... It... The music changes when they go back. The I word know. that I'm going to use is interpolation, which is a word I only know because of Olivia Rodrigo using a bit of New Year's Day by Taylor Swift in One Step Forward and Three Steps Back. So it's where you like borrow a bit of a song and like use it as the melody of yours. And I think it's only a matter of time uses some of the music from Back to the Future. Uh, and I think that's done cleverly. And actually, every time the DeLorean does, and it's the da, 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 and there's something just really exciting. It's the same way like where you hear the Star Wars music or the Indiana Jones music and the Back to the Future theme has that same effect on me. Or like when you hear the Top Gun theme in Top Gun Maverick and you're like, yes! And everything's amazing. So he's like, Basically singing about how he's like, Dum. and he wants... <laughs> what was that? Dum. How he's what? Because... <laughs> Can I just say, do you know, just yeah. like squinted her eyes and nodded and went, Dum. and I'm still... I Dum. saw it and I'm not sure. What, what's that meant to convey, do you know? Do you like, just, he's like... No, you're just doing the same thing. You're just moving your head around more now. <laughs> just, you mean he's being like a rock star? Yeah. Right, okay. We got there in the end. So yeah, and actually I think what we didn't mention is at the beginning he's auditioning. So he's doing uh, an audition. That's the next song. That's the next song. So the next song is audition slash got no future. The no future thing does get a bit repetitive. That gets um, Yeah, they use it for Marty reprised about he 14 gets, like, times. After he is um, rejected. And he sings it about his dad, doesn't he, when they're in the kitchen. Got no future. Yeah, and then... Um, that was so... beautiful singing as usual. Yeah. <laughs> Loved it. So when... They go back in time, doesn't he? Sing it about back his dad. In time. Yeah. Okay. And then he sings it about Doc when he couldn't tell him that it's he was. Ca- it comes up a lot. And everything after Doc had declined the letter. The le- um, she do some right le- gestures today. <laughs> he, was, he was like, he just went. He's got no future, and everyone laughed because they were like, "This is like." The fifth time you've used that, mate. <laughs> I feel like none of us have a future anymore. This song is just so firmly stuck in my brain. I want to talk about the song Cake. Oh, um... Partly just because okay. Cake's amazing, and why wouldn't you call a song Cake? Uh, so... Well, no, no, we oh. need to do one. Oh. So there's one where his dad is kind of, like, not with it when they're in the kitchen. He's like, just... oh, Marty. And that was my no, George McFly impression. That's not what happened. That's literally exactly what happened. 
doesn't his mum say he like shouldn't blah 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 George and then he's like <laughs> I don't know. and then what? he's like like she says something and then he says something like it doesn't answer he's like oh no thank you it's fine they're like disconnected yeah so he's not really with it he's kind of like out of the zone and then Marty sings this song it's called Hello Is Anybody Home well they all sing a bit of it don't they so each member yeah. of the family like because his brother just keeps saying do you want fries with that yeah they sing that and then later, Matty, he's like, oh, because Bic, he like gets George in a headlock and like knocks on his head and goes, hello, is anybody home? Bic McFly, think. And Matty's like, oh, I've been doing that. But I've not been getting him in a headlock and knocking on no, his head. No, you shouldn't do that to your dad. That's disrespectful. <laughs> so what, can I, can I talk about cake yet? Or are you still going to no. tell me I'm not allowed? Oh my it God. It works is the song they did on... It works. It works. It works. It works. It works. It works. This I just... Because it works. I did not love that song. It was fine. And it was better than it was on Britain's Got Talent. But there's this joke in it where there's all these dancers <gasps> that come out when Doc sings a song and Marty at one... This is the thing that I wanted to say that I said on the Can way I home. Can I read like, out the lyrics? Doc I... seems to be... He seems to know he's in a musical. Yeah. So there's a moment where Marty's like, who are all of these people towards the backing dancing. dancers? And Doc's like, I don't know. They just turn up every time I want to sing a song. And there's a bit where he says something about and the crowd goes wild. And then the audience all cheers. And, and like, he it's went, it's as if I can hear them. Exactly. So, and it, it was a bit like meta, which I feel like I say in every episode now, but... He, he sort of seemed to be aware that he was in a show and no one else did, and that was a bit weird. Are you going to give us a dramatic reading yes. of the song lyrics? It just works, for you know. Not for the whole song, just to be clear, we yeah, don't have to listen song. to the whole song. Well, if you're going to build a time machine into a car, why not do it with some style? I'm the architect of TikTok tech. <laughs> I'm the, a frequent flyer on a cosmic trek. I sorted through the quarks and quirks. And for once, I know I made a thing that really works. This is like, if you've ever wanted to know, what would it sound like if Hermione Granger recited the plot of Back to the Future? It's a time machine that goes both ways, to new tomorrow and to yesterdays. It's a car for the the stars, like Captain Kirk's. And for once, I knew I made a thing that really works. It works, it works, it works. Open brackets, it works, close brackets. <laughs> in, in term... This seems to be going on for a long time. Are you going to stop? In terms of vernacular... Oh, vernacular. Vernacular, it's spectacular. Because it works, it works, it works. Open brackets, it works, close brackets. Right, can we say something that works is my attempt to stop you from reading the lyrics now. Can yeah. that work? Okay, good. Do you know, they didn't sound that even that silly when you read them. Oh. They sounded quite sensible. And the bit about being a frequent flyer on a cosmic Kay! trek. Is that the next song? Yeah. Okay, so then, right. Well, it's so, not. The song for that is Don't Drive 88. Right, we don't need to listen to no, that one. we do. Um, the thing that's clever is when he's in 1985, the music's all sort of like 80s cheesy rock. And then as soon as you get to 1950s, the music style changes completely, which is really cool, actually. Obviously, that makes sense. But it really gives you a stronger idea of the fact that they're in a completely different era. And when he first gets there, the cast sing this song called Cake, which is just, it just sets the scene of 1950s life. And it was cool. It was a it was a clever song and I liked it and I enjoyed the fact that the shift from 1985 to 1955 was made so clear through the music. What's next? Is it got to start somewhere? You've mentioned that one a bit already. Yeah, it you? is got to start. So that's the somewhere. song that Goldie sings while he's complaining about working in the diner and that he wants to do something more. And uh, it was a really good song. And the guy who was playing him was sick. He was really really cool. So like, every time he was on, like it was very like the energy was really good. He was 
a really strong, entertaining presence in the show. So it was good that he doubled up on parts because it meant he got to be in it more and that made it exciting for everybody else. What's next, do you know? The next one is called My Myopia. Right, I like that one, but yeah. it was creepy. That was like George McFly's stalker song. If you just to the song, it's nice. Yeah, and it was, yeah, it was yeah. <laughs> I don't know what my comment was, was supposed yeah. to be there. That's, so that's when George is hanging out in a tree. It was creepy. It was like in the same way that people think Every Breath You Take by The Police is a really nice song, but it's literally about stalking. So My Myopia is that same sort of thing. Um, but if you just listen to the song. It... Yeah, it was good. I don't even know what my myopia means. Myopia is like a something to do with your eyes. I don't know if myopia is just like normal, like short-sightedness, I think, maybe. I'm going to Google it. My myopia is my utopia, and I'm hoping you... Yes, I was right. Myopia means short-sightedness. Sometimes it's used as a metaphor, though, like, so you might say that someone's got myopia, not because they need to wear glasses, but because they don't kind of look far enough. We don't have to talk through every single song, do we? We're not going to no, do that. the next song is the creepy one that she sings. Oh, where she's coming on to her own son. Let The less said about that, the better. And then Future Boy, is that when he sings... Oh, I don't know. He just sang that whole thing so many times. When's um, For the Dreamers? I don't know, but the next song, this is the last song of the first half, and it's... Something about that boy. Oh, that was clever. Yeah, it's really good actually. That was the I'm good. I'm gonna sort add of, it to a playlist. It was a good end of Act One song in the say in the way that you've got all the different characters singing in the same song, but all sort of for different means. So it worked in the same sort of way as Tonight does in West Side Story. Although obviously, although it was slightly similar because there was some fighting in it as well. So yeah. Biff singing. There's something about that boy. So Biff's taken a dislike to Marty, obviously. So he wants to beat him up. Uh, Lorraine is singing about Marty. There's a lot of sort of silly choreographed stage fighting going on so it's very they're standing amusing. on lockers they're in lockers in lockers crazy oh my god don't um, do that so the next song is 21st century which is a silly song like we've been in the 21st then century for ages said, having a song about it is just daft but he said afterwards i just traveled to the year 2020 there was no and disease. Like, and then he was like, there's no disease, but and that's everyone's yeah, like, ha ha. That was a bit of a cheesy joke. I could have done without that. Yeah, that, that song was silly because it was like, Doc wakes up and it was a dream. I don't like that one. Oh, this is the one where they were, where he was, it was funny dancing. He was teaching. Oh, teaching George McFly George. how to dance. Um, they were standing on a fence. How to generally behave in a way that is not weird. Thing, where he like so he went and did like funny leaping things, didn't he? Yeah, George but... McFly's movements were interesting. You, when for I the said, Dreamers. Right, For the Dreamers, I liked. So For the Dreamers is quite a cheesy song that Doc sings um, about the, the fact dreamers. that like all the dreamers. Wait, he sounds like Kermit the Frog when he does the lovers, the dreamers and cheese. <laughs> it sounds a little bit like that. It's um, actually the lovers, the dreamers and me. Yeah, that, thanks <laughs> for singing about cheese. It. That was great. I liked it. So it was just about, like, the, there's a whole thing running through the show of, like, you can do whatever you set your mind to if you try it. If you see it, you can be it. No, wait, that's... Anyway, there's some, like, motivational message running through, but no one's paying attention because it's all about time travel. So Doc sings this song, and it is quite cheesy, but also I quite like it because it gives him a bit more depth. So Doc is definitely played for laughs in the show. Yeah. He is a comedy character. And when he sings that song, it just gives him a little bit more of a serious aspect uh, he made some joke earlier on about being on the Manhattan Project. He said something like, "Sounds for the dreamers." Sorry, I have to say it like that. Stop then, singing it like Kermit the, the Frog. Was, this one's for the dreamers. Oh my god, then they you... should do a Muppet Back to the, the Future, dreamers, like me. 
Yeah, he did a super high note. I wasn't really clear. Was that meant to be funny? <laughs> I think maybe it was. But yeah. it was a bit of a serious song. And then he did this high note and everyone laughed. And I was like, that guy might have been thinking that was some really good singing. <laughs> he might then think, cheers, everyone. I was trying really hard with that. I don't um, have any more songs written down. Oh, well, I've got the songs in front of me. This one is... But you did say we weren't going to talk about all of them. No, this one... I don't want to talk about every single song. Well, what were you going to say? This one's Teach Him a Lesson. It's kind of a reprise. I thought of something about that boy. Oh, that yeah, Biff, Biff and his friends. And... Can I ask a question? Why is one of Biff's friends wearing 3D glasses the I whole time? I do not know! Like, that was really weird. Dress, and that was but really weird. There's this funny bit. He says, since he appeared, it's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what Lyrical genius right there. It, so he's like, I'm going to find him. Uh, he's making um, some very strange noises today, do you I'm know? trying to find if there's another. He's, oh, this is when he's on the clock tower. It's called the clock tower slash for the dreamers. Yeah, he does a little and reprise. And he goes, he's on the clock tower and he's like, this one's for the dreamers, like me. I think you want to be Doc. I do. That's what I'm getting <laughs> from this, that you would like to play Doc. Maybe Doc you returns could... slash finale. So that happens. Finale, and then Marty sings Power of Love. Are we there now? No. What? Back in time. No, it's Power of Love before Back in Time. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Back in Time was after they've gone in the spinny car. You are wrong. It goes Back in Time, then Exit It goes music, Power of Love, then time. Doc Returns Finale, then Back in Time. You've just skipped out Power of Love, is what's happened. Outrageous. Uh, yeah, so they sing Power of Love, which obviously oh, is the yeah. Huey Lewis and the News song. I absolutely love Huey Lewis and the News. Which is one of the things that uh, producer Matt and I bonded over many years ago. And that is, you know, if it weren't for the Huey Lewis, Juno wouldn't be here. Wait, what? Is all I'm saying. That's the power of love. I was sort of hoping, yeah. Like, when they said Uncle Huey's coming, I thought, is actual Huey Lewis going to be here? And then I was like, I would lose my mind. Like, I'd be so excited. But that's not what happened. Huey Lewis is obviously busy. So that was a bit of a shame. Uh, so they do Power of Love, and then Back in Time, and then it's the end. Woo! Yeah. And it was fun. Can I say some stuff that I didn't love? Then can I do my question? Yes. So Because m- we've not got a Matt's mystery. One of my, my, and it is a minor issue, is that I think, I perhaps never really noticed it in the film, but some of the characters are very, like, exaggerated and almost sort of caricatured. I'm thinking specifically of Doc and George McFly. And when the actors playing them came on, I did think that they were, it was like they were just doing an impression. And I don't know just whether... Start, it was like to set yeah, the scene for them. I think it was just character. sort of a, like a shorthand so that everyone could see exactly what was going on and they didn't have to do a lot of establishing mm. of character. And I don't know whether it stopped being like that or whether I just stopped caring. But actually, like both the actors playing those parts were fantastic. Like especially Oliver Nicholas playing George McFly, I thought was absolutely brilliant. And the shift in him, like in the second half when he gets a bit more confidence and yeah. like when he takes on Biff at the end... That was it. It was like a woohoo moment, like it is in the film. Silence. Obviously, it's really cheesy, but that is the whole. That's literally the whole point. Like, I don't think you go and see Back to the Future the musical and think it's not going to be cheesy. Now, I need to have a rant, and this is a rant that is as much to do with the film as it is to do with the show. So, nineteen eighties films just deeply, deeply problematic in terms of gender politics, and I think the musicals that they make of them, I almost feel like there needs to be like a change to it. Like, I'm going to mention Pretty Woman again. Like, one of the reasons we're not doing an episode on Pretty Woman is obviously because. It isn't stage appropriate for a 10-year-old or uh, many of our 10-year-old audience members. But I just think in the 1980s, did they not know what to do with women in films? Like, was there literally nothing for a woman to do in a film apart from have guys fancy her? Because that's all that happens to Lorraine. Like, Lorraine 
is treated as this like I just feel like you'd be really traumatized if your son time traveled and you accidentally tried to seduce him. You'd be like, oh no, that's really cool. And like when he grows up, aren't her and George gonna go, you really look like that Marty guy who we met in 1955. This is weird. Like, is no one gonna think that? And you're called Marty. And you're called yeah, what? well, they've called the baby Marty after because he's like, if you have a kid, call him Marty. And they're like, but anyway. So No, and she's like, oh, I like that name. And George is like, nah, nah. it's funny. So the, like, the mum fancying her son thing is weird. It is like something out of Greek tragedy. In fact, it literally is something out of Greek tragedy because that's the Oedipus myth. But it does not end with Lorraine scratching her own eyes out. Or actually, no, that's Oedipus that does that. Anyway, <laughs> I'm getting into it now. Never but, mind. Just, and then Biff is like literally gaslighting her into trying to think that she's his girlfriend. And he's really like aggressive. George is a stalker. Like he's like sweet. But also, call the police. So it just annoys me a little bit that Lorraine's whole role in it is to like be the butt of a joke because she fancies her son, who she thinks is called Calvin Klein. But that's this isn't necessarily an issue with and the musical because that's it's exactly the same in the film. And I guess it's like a major plot point that if you rewrite that, then what are you doing? There's obviously a ton of other stuff you've got to change. So fine, I'll accept it, but I don't love it. And I think maybe the people who wrote Back to the Future in the first place should have uh, thought this. Right, Juno, we don't have a Matt's Mystery Musing musical mi- made up myth. Mi- <laughs> Who knows? Because he was playing golf when we started recording. We've got a Juno's juggling. General juggling of jokish gestures. I don't know. What's your question, Mum? So, there's three parts. Oh, no. It. Pick a musical, Mother. Rent. You pick Rent. Pick a character. Roger. And... Um, what would Roger need a time machine for? Oh, well, Roger is unwell in the show and I imagine he would quite like a time machine to go back back in time and not contract the illness that he has in the show. Besides that, I'd, maybe Roger would go back in time and like get a different job because he spends the whole show going on about one song, glory, like trying to write a song and then he does write the song and it's not even that good. So I just think maybe Roger should like go to college, maybe like... Get a degree in something practical, maybe something to fall back on, apart from his songwriting, because it's uh, it's not that great. Mm. That was a good question. I like that one. So what's yours? My, I'm going to pick Matilda. Good. I'm going to say, I'm picking the musical of Matilda, not the okay. film. Future episode coming up. I'm going to pick Miss Honey. Oh. And I have a good reason. Because in the whole thing, there's this whole thing about Miss Trunchbull being her aunt, which is in the film, and she had to take care of her after her death. Yeah, so she, but she never told her dad. So I think she could go back in time and tell her dad yes. about. Hey, this crazy woman's me, abusing so, me. Yeah, um, he wouldn't go away and be really angry. Yeah, that's a really good idea. Yeah. I like that. Well done, Juno. Yay! I was thinking as well about like because obviously this whole thing of turning eighties movies into mm-hmm. musicals is massive now. We've got Back to the Future, we've got Pretty Woman, we've got Dirty Dancing, we've got Heather's, which I'm hopefully finally going to see in May, after many thwarted COVID-related mean attempts. Mean Girls is early 2000s. No, Mean Girls is miles after. So I was trying to think of other 80s films. Now, if my mum was here, dedicated theatre goer, she would tell us that not all 80s films should be turned into musicals because she went to see the musical adaptation of Big and I believe left Whoa. She was so displeased with it. So that's a cautionary tale to all of us, Mean Girls reference. So here are some things that I think definitely shouldn't be made into... 80s musicals and Juno won't be able to contribute here because she's not seen that many 80s films probably because of all the issues I've just mentioned but right an 80s film that would make a terrible musical is Dead Poet Society 
which I used to reference all the time. Like when I first became a teacher and I had to have like an inspirational moment, which obviously happened all the time. I'd be like, oh, it was very dead poets. And then I finally watched a dead poet society and I was like, I'm going to stop using that as my frame of reference because it'll make people think it's a cry for help. A very highly rated 80s film, which I do not see as being that great, is The Breakfast Club. I can't believe no one's turned that into a musical yet. So in that, do you know, a load of kids from different groups end up in a Saturday detention at their school and they just spend the whole time just like messing around at school. I don't think they should make a musical of that because it would basically just be high school musical. But some things that I think would make a good musical. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Tell me which of these you think would make the best musical. So there's the film Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Have you heard of Ferris Bueller? He's just like this kid who is at school and he skives off school for the day and does loads of crazy stuff. That would make Ooh. a great musical. There's How a musical he? called... He's like 16, I guess. I don't know. There's a show called... There's a, bleh, 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 a film called Mannequin, which my sister was obsessed with, which is literally about some guy who... like I think he works in the department store. And there's a mannequin there, you know, like the models yeah. that they have, who comes to life and then he's she's his girlfriend. <laughs> she's like, again, hi, she's literally an inanimate object and he falls in love with her. What? So that's creepy. But I imagine you could get some good songs out of it. And the other one that I was thinking would make a good musical is Cocktail, which is a Tom Cruise film from the 80s where he literally just, I don't know, makes some cocktails, opens a bar. How is that not a musical? So which of these do you think would make the best one? Teenager skives off from school for the day. Mannequin comes to life. Person makes drinks. Which one do you pick? Best Number one, one, Ferris Bueller. Should we start working on it? We'll see if we can get the rights. I would be interested for anyone listening who has watched a lot of 80s films. What do you think would make a good musical? Yeah, comment. Yeah, comment. Tell us. Tell us. Speak to us in real life. Oh, we've not actually said how you comment and we're telling people to comment. Oh, yeah. So how you do it is, so on the episode... There's a play button at the bottom. You don't click on that. You click on the actual episode and then it should come up with what are your thoughts on this episode. So and you, you can, can leave know. us your thoughts. Yeah. Or you can send us a comment on our Instagram, which is stage underscore appropriate. Underscore! Or, you know, if you know us in real life, you can just send us a message and we could read your messages out on a future episode like proper presenters. And you won't be able to see all of the comments on Spotify because you have to pin them. And only we don't get involved in that, do we? That's a technical detail that we don't involve We've ourselves got a few with. Been pinned, we have, and we so have to say the newsies one is your friend who commented <gasps> said yes. that the question was good. It wasn't actually a Matt's musical it was my question. question. I was the one that yeah. came up with the question of which current industrial action would make the best musical. That was me. So, it wasn't actually a Matt's mystery musical musing. It was. <laughs> it was a Katie's. Clever question. No? What could mine be? I don't know. We'll think about this later. Okay. So, Juno, Back to the Future, is it stage appropriate? Yeah. Highly stage appropriate. So, this is what usually when people are like, oh, should I take my child to see the show? Is it appropriate? And I'm like, yeah, it's fine. And then they never speak to me again because their child's been horribly corrupted and now they're in prison because of a rude reference the child's to in Henry prison. VIII. No, well, I don't know. No one's in prison. Well, loads of people are in prison. Prisons are horribly overcrowded, but no one we know. Uh, okay. I don't think. Unless they, well, that, there's some people I haven't heard from for a while. Maybe that's why. Anyway, that took a turn, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember why we started talking about prison. Yeah, Back to the Future. I highly recommend it, actually. It's, re- it's a very, very fun show. Good merch. Good merch. Good merch. Yes. And incredibly nice cast members Ooh, who yeah. will come out after the show and be really nice to you and sign your programme. Some run away. And pose for pictures. Some did run away, and that's fine because they probably had a train to catch. 
and we are okay with that. But yeah, if you can get to see Back to the Future, I actually really, really recommend it. And after seeing the Britain's Got Talent performance, <laughs> I really didn't think I'd ever say that sentence. But it's a really very fun show. Yeah, if we didn't see it then, it would have been the kind of thing that's like, we could see Back to the Future or we could see this. And we always pick the or this. We've always picked option, the other thing, haven't yeah. we? But when it came to buying tickets for it, actually, uh, I just decided uh, that was the thing we no, were going to see. No, because I told you we should see it. Because of Mikey. Mikey from yeah. Year 5, who said, I've seen that. And now apparently that is more of an endorsement than me saying, well, yeah, because let's go and see Oklahoma. It'll be really good. Did you call it Oklahoma? No, I called it Oklahoma. Oh, I, I think I didn't. Do you want me to right. sing it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> right, that's the end of this episode. Okay, sorry. Go and see Back to the Future. Yeah. And if you do see it, or if you have seen it, or if you just, I don't know, want to chat, then... Send Just us a message. Talk about cake. As previously mentioned Merci. on our Instagram, which is stage underscore appropriate.